Good morning, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Hey to all those out there watching us through uh, streaming and you're in your homes or you're maybe you're maybe you're at the park today or who knows where you're at, but we're so glad that you've joined us in church and that we have a few that are gathered in here today just to kind of help me preach. And uh, so we're excited. And I just want to let those know that, are, that those, those are in this room, you're alive and we need to act like you're alive and that you're here and it's okay. And, uh, and we're excited about having some of that help and some of that support today as we get into the word. And uh, as before we do that, I just want to uh, just kind of give some game, a game plan to kind of our reopening of our worship services uh, for celebration. And, uh, and uh, if all goes well, our intention is, is this. So again, uh, at this point, our worship services are kind of closed down and we're doing it through our streaming. And, and again, like my son was saying, we're just so grateful for your faithfulness and your commitment. When the bottom could have fell out of this thing, uh, celebration, the family of celebration, our, our family, our friends, you've, you've stood with us. You've been faithful in the giving. I've been shocked every week to see the, the faithful givers of this church, uh, even the new givers to this church. We're so grateful for that. And, uh, but we are excited about opening back up and coming together as a family. And uh, as you know, uh, things are opening back up, so the church needs to open back up. And here's our game plan as we're moving forward. Uh, July 1st, which is in a couple weeks, is kind of our game plan to open things up. July 1st is the first Wednesday of July, and uh, I really believe that God has given me specific direction on how to open our worship services back up, and that is through God's people coming together in the very first ser service, uniting together in prayer. So our first Wednesday of July, we're, uh, if you're comfortable, if uh, you don't have health issues, and, and uh, if you're comfortable coming together and joining together with us in a room, we're going to start this off with, with, with prayer. And the reason why is because our world is looking for peace. And the last time I read my Bible, God says the only way you're going to get peace is not through just a bunch of actions. God says my people have to pray. In fact, in Timothy, he tells us that. And so I, I believe that I have been given direction to gather the people back together. And we're going to start our reopening with God's people coming together and praying. And we're going to do that on July 1st is our intention. And then the following Wednesday, July uh, 8th, which is our second Wednesday, we're going to come together and we're going to pray again. And then that following Sunday on July 12th, we're going to reopen and we'll never close again until the Lord returns. So that's our, that's our game plan. Uh, I'm sure we'll be posting that. We'll be talking about that. But I do want to say to the Celebration family, I do believe how we reopen this is absolutely so important. And I believe that God, again, has instructed me for us to, to lead that in prayer. So if you're comfortable coming back into the room, we want you to do that. If you're not, we're going to continue to stream and we're going to continue to pastor those in our online audience. And uh, thank God for technology. And we're learning and uh, we're so grateful. We couldn't have done what we've done throughout the last several weeks without having uh, the means of technology. So we are excited about that. Don't forget also, every morning we have our devotionals 
and they, they come on at 7 o'clock in the morning. And then you can actually, it's our, it's our summer sessions. If, you're, if you don't have our church app and you're not watching our, our devotionals, you are missing out on life. These are really something that we're going to continue to do until the Lord returns. We believe it's a way to get your day off to its best step. And so celebration, we have a saying around here, we all begin our day with our devos, our devotionals. They're only about 10 minutes long, and we have some tremendous voices in this house that is helping us to start our day. I believe if you'll participate in that, I believe that, that your day will be, will be so much, so much better. Again, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all those that are out there that are watching. Um, today, today I'm not going to be speaking a specific message to fathers, but actually a spiritual message from a father. I truly believe that God wants me to share some spiritual perspective today. I've been waiting for this day. I believe God wants me to give some spiritual clarity and some spiritual insight to all this craziness. <laughs> all this craziness has been going on for the last three months. Can you believe it's been over three months now? Today I want to speak from this message entitled, or the message entitled, There Has Been a Stumble. Or we could entitle it, A Stumbling Mess. Would you pray with me? Father, we're just so grateful, so thankful. God, for those few that are in the room and those that are watching and homes all over this community and city and perhaps the state, perhaps even in other countries, Lord. We're so grateful, Lord, for how you are using this means of technology to, God, to have a further reach than we've ever had in our life. God, I'm praying today that, God, we'd have laser-like focus, that you would speak to us as a people, that we would receive marching orders on this Father's Day in 2020. God, may this be an easy moment. May, may people, God, remain focused to hear all that heaven has. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Several uh, weeks ago, I was doing my thing that I typically do every other day, and that is trying to work on this, this physical body. And, uh, and uh, you know, you don't get something like this just by waking up. You have to work the work. And so I was running my typical four-mile run, and I was coming to an end, of, end to that run. I could see the tape out in a distance, the finish line, and I was excited that once again at my age that I was completing this run of endurance. And as I was coming to the end, I began to drift off to my left, and I began to notice something happening over to my left, and I was, I was watching it and staring at it, and at that moment, I didn't realize that there, on the pavement, the sidewalk, is that there was, was, was uh, it was uneven. And so, as I was running, I missed my step, and it felt like my knee hit my chin, and I went tumbling over and over. My phone fell, my, my, um, my AirPods fell out, my, my water bottle went, went rolling down the hill, and there I am sprawled out in the middle of the sidewalk, in the middle of the road. I didn't know whether to cry 
or whether to laugh because there were people all around me and there was one old man that thought he had just seen the best thing he's ever seen in his life. And, and what was really hard is in my big mess there, I, I, um, I, uh, I got angry. I got mad. I probably was more embarrassed than mad, but then I began to get mad at the birds that were chirping. I began to get mad at the dog, my dog, that was licking my face trying to help me. I got up from that place and dusted myself off and grabbed my, my AirPods and my phone and my water bottle, and I'm upset. I'm upset at the old man, and I'm upset at the squirrels, and I'm upset at the birds. I'm upset at my dog. I'm mad. I'm angry at the whole world. And I walk back to my truck, I get in my truck, I throw my things in the truck, and I take off. And I'm mad at the stoplights, and I'm mad at every slow driver. I'm mad, I'm just completely upset and mad at the whole world. And then it dawned on me, why are you mad? Why are you so upset with the whole world? What you need is a reordering of your perspective. It wasn't the old man's fault that I fell, and it wasn't the dog's fault that I fell, and it wasn't the birds that were chirping. It wasn't their fault that I fell. It was, it was because I lost my, my focus, and I needed a reordering of my perspective, and it's amazing how we can get mad at everything in the world when, when we stumble. Three months ago, when we all woke up to this new world, I felt God leading me to two specific stories in the Bible. Uh, the first one was when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, out of 400 years of, of slavery. Man, I'm not, I don't know about you, but that story has done me good these last three months. I don't know about you, but I, I don't have any intention on going back to to Egypt. I, I want my milk and honey, and I, I don't want to come out of this three months or, or this season that we're in by going back to Egypt. I don't want to go back to something. I want to go forward to what God has for me. And the other story that God has brought to my attention that's been part of my meditation the last three months is the one I want to read this morning. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I want to read a few verses to give you the story here. And it says this, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Judah to bring up from there the ark of God. And so they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord. And when they came to Nikon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the ox, now listen, the ox had stumbled. And then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his heir, and he died there by the ark of God. Just a side note, it was in the law that if you touched the ark, you would you would die. And David was afraid, verse 9, of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And then the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, notice, for three, for three months. I wonder if that's a I wonder if that's a bit significant for us that have been in this pandemic 
for about three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. And now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when the, those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces or six steps that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. He worshiped the Lord. So then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. When I read this story, I see this story. I, I believe that this story speaks about a realignment. That's what I've been hearing in this story for the last three months. I see a story that speaks of redirecting and rearranging and reorganizing and resetting and rebooting and re rerouting. I see a story here that speaks about the reordering of our priorities. The story is that David has become king over Israel. And now David wants to bring back the ark of God. It's actually in the hands of enemies. It's been in the hands of the Philistines for many, many years now. But David wants to bring the ark of God back. For those that don't know what the ark is, the ark of God was a box. In fact, we have a picture of it they're going to put on the screen. It was a box. It was 27 inches high. And 27 inches wide and 45 inches long. It was actually one of the furnishings in the tabernacle in the Old, in the Old Testament. Um, the Ark of God just simply represents, it was the visible image of the presence of God in the Old Testament. When, when, when we talk about the Ark of God, it is just a type or it is a symbol of God's presence in the tabernacle, in the holies of holies. The priest would go in and at the mercy seat where the cherubims are, the angels, he would sprinkle the blood, and then from heaven, God would meet with mankind. It was God meeting with his people. I, I don't want you to turn me off. I, I know that you might think that, well, what does this have to do with anything that we're going through? What is the relevance of this moments. So before you turn me off, I want to remind you and I want to encourage you that without God's presence, you, you have no life. You just have a miserable existence. According to the Bible, to find God's presence is to find life itself. Uh, never are you more fully alive than when you are in God's presence. The Bible tells us, and for those that don't know, let me remind you, the Bible tells us that, God's that in God's presence you find the path of life, that in God's presence you actually find the wisdom and the ability and help of God, that in God's presence you actually find the peace and the rest of God, that in God's presence you actually find wholeness and health. It's in God's presence that you find safety and security. What are you looking for? It's all found in the presence. It's in the presence the Bible teaches us that we find provision and prosperity. It's in the presence of God that we find complete and total joy. It's in God's presence that the Bible says that we find the empowerment and the strength of God. No wonder why 
Moses, before going into the promised land, God says, I'm tired of these people griping and complaining. I'm not going in there with you, Moses. And Moses begins to cry out, God, but if you don't go, I'm not going. If your presence doesn't go with me, I will not go. Because what is the blessing without the blesser? So Moses, in fact, I love it in the the message translation. It says, uh, God, if your presence doesn't go, we're calling this whole trip off. I I, I think that ought to be the attitude and the prayer of God's people right now. God, if your presence isn't in this, if your presence isn't going... We're calling the whole trip. God, we're not having church without your presence. We're not having life without your presence. We're not having a marriage without your presence. We're not going to raise a family without your presence. I'm here to tell you that the presence of God, the power of God is more relevant to your life than what you know. Now, what is on the inside of that box is very important. On the inside of that box, I believe they have a a picture of that. On the inside, there's the tablets of stone. It's the Ten Commandments inside that box where God would meet with His people. These, these, These tablets of stone simply represent God's supernatural Word. Also in the the box was Aaron's rod that budded. We don't have time to teach that. But it was God's way of certifying that Aaron was a spiritual leader, a priest over God's people. It also represented God's ability to bring life (laughs) out of dead things. Does anybody need God to show up today? Who am I talking to out there? Does anybody need the presence and the power of God to show up and bring some life out of some dead things? And then in that box was the pot of manna. Many of us know that's how... God sustained his people in the wilderness that every morning he would, he would cause manna to, 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 to be their supply. So the manna represents God's supernatural supply. So to have this box, it meant that you had God's supernatural word. To have this box meant that you had God's supernatural leadership and ability. To have this box meant that you had God's supernatural provision. It's more important Come on, somebody needs to hear me. Listen, I don't know where you're at today, but it's more important to have God's presence than anything else in your life. As long as God's people had this box, the Bible teaches us that their enemies were horrified and terrified of them. As long as God's people had this box, victories were won and enemies were defeated. As long as God's people had this box, they had God's favor and they had God's blessings. Now, it's in this story that God's people find themselves without the box. You see, it was David's predecessor, Saul, that had been king prior to David. He had ruled for 20 years, and he had ruled God's people without the box, without the presence of God, because it had been taken by the Philistines, by the enemies. And Saul was not interested in God's presence, therefore he did not go and try to get it back. So what happened is Saul had his ministers minister 24 hours a day in God's temple, but they did it without the box. They did it without the presence of God. They did church for years, for some 20 years without God's presence in it, just going through all the duties of church and the motions of church. So it looked like church. It acted like church, but it had no God. 
It had no presence. It had no power to change a life. You know, in the last three months as we look around, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that people are shocked because all you have to do is get off of social media and turn Fox News and CNN News, CNN News, CNN News off and open your Bible and realize that the Bible talks about these last days. It's the beginning of sorrows. It's the setup for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that we are seeing in the earth, it's not a shock. It's not a surprise. God talked about it, but Fox News isn't going to tell you about it. The White House isn't going to tell you about it. CNN News is not going to tell you about it. You're going to have to open the Bible and read it. You won't be surprised. You won't be shocked. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says as the world gets darker, the church is supposed to get brighter and brighter. Is ushering in one of the greatest moves of God that planet Earth has ever experienced. I'm here to tell you, but the Bible also says that in the last days there's another sign. Timothy talks about it. That there'll be a people, there'll be a church that's more interested in the form of godliness, but denying the box, denying the power denying the presence of Almighty God. Saul didn't care about the box, but David hungered and David desired. And the first thing that David wants to do when he becomes king is that he wants to go get the ark of God back. David is determined not to do church without the presence of Almighty God because David knows that without the ark, there is no God. Without the ark, there is no presence. Without the ark, there's no voice of God, no leadership of God, and no provision of God. So David gathers, the Bible says, 30,000 people, and they go back and they get the box from the Philistines, and they are on their way back to Jerusalem to put it in the house of God, and it is a party. It is absolutely a parade, and 30,000 people, they're singing and they're dancing and they're, they're cheering because David is bringing back the presence of God to their community and to their city and to the house of God. But then all of a sudden, as that new cart is being pulled by the oxen, David put it on a new cart and it's being pulled by the, the cows and the oxen and all of a sudden, in the middle of the road, they hit a pothole. Mm-hmm. Has anybody in this place, anybody watching us through technology, have you ever hit a pothole in the middle of the road called life? The Bible says they hit, hit a pothole and the ox, guess what? The ox stumbled. The ox stumbles and Uzzah reaches up to stabilize it and instantly dies and and now, because of this stumble, everything in that moment comes to a standstill. I can just see it. The parade is over. The Mickey Mouse blooms are, are, are floating away into the sky. And the parents, because of fear, are gathering their children. And, and they're rushing back to their houses. And in front of everybody, the whole thing has become a mess. And now David, the Bible says, is angry at God because his parade is over. And God is angry at David because David has ignored the protocol of how to bring the presence of God back. Um, I, I guess my question to you in your home or 
Wherever you're at today, those that are in this room, I guess my question for you today is, is this, does God order stumbles? Hmm. Does, does God order stumbles? Did God order this stumble that we just read about, the, that in the middle of the road, a pothole and the oxen stumbles? Does God order, does God order God orders stumbles. What a question that we really do need to answer today. Did, did God order this pandemic? Hmm? Did God order the heartbreaks? Did God order the chaos and the layoffs and the fear and the depression? Come on. Did God order this loneliness? Did God order this uncertainty? Come on. Did God order the racial division in our nation and in the world? How about this? Did God order the horrific injustices? Did God order the disrespect and dishonor? Did God order this, this stumble? Man, I love the tension I feel in this room. I love the tension that I feel in your home as I'm trying to get you to, to, to get some spiritual perspective today. Um, I don't believe for a moment that God ordered this mess. But I do believe that God is at work using this mess. I do believe that. You see, the reason why we have messes and the reason why we have stumbles in life is because of these, these man-made carts that we create. It's because of these man-made ideas that we have. It's because of these man-made plans and these man-made ways. They're the things that always mess everything up. Because anytime you do what you do without God, you're going to find yourself. Hello, America. Anytime you do what you do without God, hello, you're going to find yourself in a mess. But this is what I do believe about the mess. Hear me today, and this is what we're focusing on. I believe that God is revealed in the mess. I believe that God is revealed in the stumble. I believe that God is revealed in the trouble. I believe that God is trying to show us, listen, our need for God in the mess. I love what it says. It says that our God is a present help in times of... God is trying to reveal himself in the mess. God is trying to reveal himself. He didn't cause the mess, but he's trying to, re he's trying to show you you can't do life without him. He says, I am a help. I am a present help in the time of trouble. Notice it wasn't the good times. It was in the stumble. It was in the, the mess that God has revealed, that God shows up and he begins to offer his help. So I've come to tell somebody here today, that the stumble is a setup. That the mess is a setup. Don't you dare miss the God in this moment. If there's been one thing that I have screamed, I have yelled, I have preached for the last three months as I've been saying, please don't miss the God in this 
moment. I believe the stumble is a setup. It looks bad, but it's a setup. You might have lost your job, but I'm here to tell you, it is a setup. Your business might be failing, but I've come to prophesy to somebody, it is a setup. Listen, your home might be in turmoil, but I'm shouting it out loud, it is a setup. Your church might be shut down, but I'm here to tell you, it is a setup. You're scared, but it's a setup. Hear me, you're worried about it, but it's a setup. You're crying yourself to sleep, but it's a setup. God reveals himself in the mess. God knew that the ox was going to stumble. God knew that the box was going to slide, and God knew that all of hell was going to break loose against you. Hear this today. There's something bigger going on and what we've been seeing these last three months is bigger than the stumble it's bigger than the virus it's bigger than the political agendas out there can, can i say something if you don't get anything else that i've said as i'm giving some fathering spiritual perspective don't get stuck on the wrong thing in this season of your life why? Because God is reordering things. That's what I've come to tell you. Let me say it again. God is reordering things. God is realigning things. God is rearranging things. I know you're mad at the old man, and I know you're mad at the stoplight, and I know you're mad at those cars, and I know you're mad at the, the, the squirrels and the dog. but I'm here to tell you God is in the middle of it, and he's reorganizing things, and he's resetting things. Don't you dare miss the God that's in this moment because I'm here to tell you that always man's problems are God's opportunities in life. He's a present help in the stumble. He's a present help. Come on in. In the, who am I talking to? I, I can't hear you out there. Come on. Oh, those are, who, who needs this today? Who needs this perspective today? The first thing that God does is that he, first of all, he reorders the home. He reorders the home. The Bible says that in the middle of all this mess, and, that, and, and, and let me just pause there because I believe this is, this is prophetically what's been happening in the last three months. In this story, the first thing that God does is, 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 is that God did not create the mess, but he's going to use the mess. He's going to use the stumble. To reorder the homes. The Bible says that in the middle of all this mess where the ox had stumbled, that there was a house nearby. <laughs> and David goes over there. He's angry. He's mad at God. And he knocks on the door. And the Bible says a man by the name of Obed-Edom opens the door. And what's interesting about Obed-Edom is that the Bible says he's a Gittite. He's from the city of Gath. Uh, this man was not a Jew. He didn't worship the one and true God. He actually lived in the land of the Philistines. He's from, he's from Gath. Remember, David killed the giant that was from Gath. They worship false gods, but on that day, David knocks on Obed-Edom's door, and Obed-Edom opens the door, and Obed-Edom says yes to the box. He says, bring that right on in here into my home. He says, 
He says yes to God's word. He says yes to God's leadership. He says yes to God's provision in his life. Read the story. And for the next three months, Obed-Edom and his family hosted the presence of God in their home. I don't know what you've been doing the last three months. Hopefully you haven't been distracted by the birds and the old man and, and the cars and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, oh, I'm talking to somebody. I'm here to tell you, you we're, we're, he's, he's hosting the presence of God. And for three months, God began to reorder Obed-Edom's home and family. God's presence in their home began to reorder their lives and their focus and their priorities and their activities. God's presence for Obed-Edom and their family became more than just a church thing. For them, it has now become a home thing. I believe God's been trying to reorder homes, that, that God is not some just one-hour uh, Sunday thing that you do once a week, but God, I believe, has shut everything. I don't think he was in, oh, I don't think he was in the stumble, but I believe God is using the stumble to bring his presence into your home. He doesn't want it to be a church thing. He wants it to be a life thing. He wants it to be a family thing. God's presence in their home began to reorder their focus and their activities. You'll find out later that soccer wasn't as important to them anymore, and sports wasn't as important to them anymore, and all these other things. Uh-oh. Quiet in this Baptist church. Haven't said that in years. That felt good. God's presence became more than just church, them, it became a family thing. It became a life thing. What's amazing to me is Obed-Edom got what everybody wants in this room and those that are watching through this camera. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 11 says, The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom. The Gittite, the Gittite, he's, a, he's not even an Israelite, and God's blessing the Gittite like he was an Israelite. And the Bible says it remained in his house. The Bible says, for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. Could it be that when, while I'm distracted with all the birds chirping and all the slow cars and the, the old man laughing, could, could it be that I'm distracted with the reordering of my home, that I'm so distracted with Fox News, and I'm, I'm, I'm going at it today with CNN News. Come on with the White House news, with your neighbor's news, with the social media news, that I'm missing what God is doing in this moment. I'm here to tell somebody, God's presence moved in that home, and for three months it reordered Obed-Edom's home to the point that everything that Obed-Edom had in his life became blessed. The farm became blessed. The house became blessed. The business became blessed. The kids became blessed. The marriage became, oh, the marriage became, oh, what we need is the presence of God in our, in our homes. Mm. This is absolutely amazing. God's blessing the Gittite like the Israelite. Why? Why was, why was Obed-Edom getting blessed? Here's the Father's Day message for you, because Obed-Edom opened the door. Obed-Edom said yes to the most important thing in life, the presence of Almighty God. Worship team, you can come back. I don't know if I can get through all this. 
The second thing that God begins to reorder after he reorders the home. How, how many of you are connecting with the parallels here? Three months, I think it's significant. The second thing that God begins to reorder is the temple services. For three months, David has gone back home. There's no presence of God, and the ministers are still doing church like usual. Things are going on like they do every week, all the, the duties and the activities. And David's mad at God, and he's frustrated. He's confused. He's discouraged. He's actually pouting, because that's usually what happens after you get mad. And you start pouting. feel like the whole world's against you. Hmm? And after three months of this, David finally breaks. David finally comes to a place where he's willing to change. And what ends up breaking him is what we read in verse 12. It says, now it was told King David saying, in other words, David's servants come to him. And they said, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And all, and all, and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. The Bible says, so David went and brought up that ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. What was it that changed the heart of David? What was it that caused David to break in that moment? It was, it was that David saw that God was blessing somebody else. Oh, somebody. David hears that everything in Obed-Edom's house is, is getting blessed, that is empowered by God. You see, the point is, is if you won't receive the blessing, God will give your blessing to somebody else. And you'll spend your life watching the very thing that could have changed your life because you're mad, because you're angry, because you're offended, because you're pouting about what you didn't focus on in your road and you stumbled and you fell and now you're mad at the whole world. David has seen enough. He begins to cry out to God, God, I want it back, God, I want it back, I want it back. Woo! God, I want it back. And over these 28 years, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that prayer. But I've drifted away and lost perspective in life and lost my focus of the road that I was supposed to be on. And now I'm mad at the world, but I break because I see God's blessings still operating. God, I want it back. Somebody needs to pray that prayer today. God, I, I want it back. I want your presence back. I want your voice back. I want your... God, I want your leadership back. I want your prevail. God, I got to have it back. Hopefully in these three months, you are getting perspective of what God is trying to do, not only in your home, but in your, in your church. God, we got to have it back. We got to have the presence back. We got to have your word back. We got to have your voice back. God, I got to have it back. We can't do this temple worship without you. We can't do church without you, God. That's what David is saying. God, we got to have your presence. we got to have you back in our worship. I don't have time to go through them, but i got to give them quickly. But 
There's three things that David had to do in order to get it back into the, the church, the temple, the house of God. There were three things that God actually had to reorder in his life. I'll just, I'll just give them to you real quickly, but here's the first one. David had to change his plan. See, see, this is what we need to be focusing on as a church, as a people, is that, is that we've, we've got to be willing to, if we're going to get God's presence back in our life, we've got to be willing to change our plan because David, David had to go back to the scriptures and he had to begin to consult and get proper order for how to move God's box. You, you, you can't just get God's box. You can't just get God's presence on new carts. You, you can't get God's presence on just man's ideas and, and man's ways. Do, do you know the whole reason why David used a new cart? is because he's seen the Philistines moving the cart or the, or the box with the new cart. That, that was a plan of the Philistines. That was the plan of ungodly people. We can't take the world's ways and embrace them and adopt them and expect God to move in our lives. So he has to go back and he has to find out the order of God to bring back the card. And when he studies the scriptures, he finds out that you can't move God's presence on a card. No, no, no. It's got to be carried on the shoulders of priests. God is saying, God is saying, my presence is not the result of man's ideas, man's ways, and man's plans, and man's strategies. My, my presence is not the result of cute little cards, David. God is saying my presence is the result of a personal relationship to pursue it and to carry it in your life. God is saying if you want my presence, David, you need to get personally involved with it. You need to become responsible to pursue it and to carry it in your life. David, you need a new order. You need a new plan. That's what God is doing in these three months. That's what God is doing in our lives. That's what God is doing in your homes. That's what God is doing in our church. The second thing that David had to change is he had to change his pace. He had to change his pace. The Bible says they took six paces and then they worshiped God. They took six steps and then they, they worshiped God. I could preach this one all day because I feel that this is where we're really messed up. And this is where the world is really fighting us. If you look at the original language, it, 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 uh, when it says six steps or six paces, it doesn't mean baby steps. It doesn't mean just little steps and then worship God. No, no. If you look in the original language, it means, it means big steps, one. Big steps, two. A big pace, three. A big pace, four. What, what is God saying here? What is God saying in your home? I believe God is saying, if you want my presence, you got to pick up the pace. That this little pace that you're giving me, this little commitment that you're giving me, this, this doubt and unbelief that you're giving me, and I truly believe that's what the world is trying to do to the church today. They're trying to get us to begin to take small steps instead of big steps. They've got us in fear, and they've got us in doubt, and they've got us in unbelief, as if our God is not a miracle worker. Can I remind you before the pandemic hit that there was still enough things in this world to kill you like that? We live in a dangerous, dangerous world. The moment you walk outside your door, listen, there's enough things to kill you 
that if you knew about it, you would never leave your house. But I'm here to tell you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That greater is he that's in you than he that comes. And it's time for us to begin to take big steps. Big steps. I believe God wants us to pick the pace of believing up. I believe God wants us to pick the pace of faith up. I believe God is wanting us to pick up the pace of commitment and faithfulness. And everything that you are seeing in our world is coming against our commitment and our pace for God. They're silencing the voice of God. I could preach on it. But David, if you're going to get my presence in your life, if you're going to get it back in the church, you're going to have to pick up the pace. God is saying this is a season for big steps. God says, I'm a big God, and I'm looking for people who will pick up the pace. Somebody needs to take a big step today. In your homes, in your business, somebody needs to take a big step. Come on, in that marriage, you need to take a big step. In raising those kids today, you need to take a big step big step. God is saying, if I'm going to be able to do something in the church, then I need a people who will pick up the pace of faithfulness and commitment. The third thing David needed to do is he had to change his position. He had to change his position. What's interesting in the story, what's interesting is a when David's trying to bring back the presence of God three months prior, or previously, excuse me, the Bible mentions nothing about David worshiping. But not this time. <laughs> no, in fact, David's out in front of the ark. And he, the Bible says he's worshiping the Lord with all his might. He's changed his position. He's now not a spectator. He's a worshiper. And he worships with all of his might. Apparently, he's stripping off his clothes because even his wife on that day gets embarrassed of David's activity. And she says, how embarrassing you have been as you have unclothed yourself before people today. And you know what David said? He looked at his wife and he says, he says, you've not seen anything yet. He said, I'll even be more undignified than this because there's no way that I'm going to allow Obed-Edom and his family to be the only people in Israel to be blessed. And David starts dancing before the Lord with all his might. Changes his, his position. So what is God saying? Does God want us to lose our clothes while we praise? <laughs> no, please, no. Not in this church, please. You look so much better with clothes on. I promise. What God is saying is that if you want my presence, you can't get it by spectating. God is saying you can't spend your life watching other people praise God. If you want my box, if you want my leadership, if you want my voice, I'm going, you're going to have to get all the way in. You're going to have to give of all of yourself. God is saying, if I'm going to give you all of me, then you need to give me all of you. So David gets the ark back in the house of God. God reorders his plan. He reorders his pace. He reorders his position. And I'm closing. I'm over time. But I do believe that this is perspective 
for the people of celebration. What's interesting is David gets the presence of God back into temple services or worship services or, or the church. And David looks around and guess, guess who shows up in Jerusalem? It's Obed-Edom. He, he's, he's, left, he's left his community and now he is in Jerusalem because that's where the presence of God is. In fact, it's not just Obed-Edom, the father, but his whole household, the Bible says. 62 people in all begin to serve in the temple, begin to serve in the house of the Lord all the rest of the days of their life. You see, for them, it wasn't going to be just a house thing. For those that are getting comfortable, say, yeah, I kind of like this house church. Well, Obed-Edom said, it isn't just going to be a house thing. No, 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 it's going, to be a, it's going to be a life thing. Wherever the box is going, we're going with the box. Whatever God is doing in our community, we're going to be a part of it. Whatever activity that God's a part of, we're going to be there. Obed-Edom's life had been so blessed by the presence of Almighty God that he was willing to do and go wherever the presence of God was. Not, all, not only that, but all of his family, all of his kids. Wow, what a father. What a father. If you're looking for a Father's Day message today, there it is. How can I can become a great father? Just open the door to the most important thing in your life. It's the presence of God. All you've got to do is say yes. Yes to the Word of God. Yes to the leadership of God. And yes to God being your provider. Hear me again. I don't think for a moment God caused this stumble. But I do believe that he's using every bit of it. To reorder your home and our church and our world. My prayer for you today is God reorder you. God realign you. Oh, that you would have new perspective that you would see things you've never seen before, that our homes would be realigned and reordered, that our families would be realigned and reordered, that our marriages would be realigned and reordered. I believe that this is a moment God is using to bring great change in our homes and in our church. I believe that our days only get better from here. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and maybe bow your heads right where you're at in your homes, at the park, wherever you're walking, watching this on a streaming device, driving, those that are in this room. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never invited him into your life. What's really interesting is in the New Testament, when you say yes to Jesus, you actually become the box. The Spirit of God moves on the inside of you. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you, you're far from Him. You don't have a relationship with Him. The Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the moment you do, guess what happens? The Spirit of God moves inside this box, this earthen vessel. 
Come on, his word, his leadership, his provision. If that's you today or those that are in this room, never prayed that prayer, would you pray this prayer? Simply say with all your heart, say, Father God, today I surrender my life. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for me. And today I put my trust in him. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give it up for all of those that just prayed that prayer, all those that are in your homes. Hey, hey, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're doing, but would you just maybe stand still and, and maybe if you're in your home, just stand up with me. I'm, I'm going to do something in closing this service that I believe God told me to do. And I know I've gone over time, but can I tell you this isn't a sermon. This is three months of on my face before God. God, what are you doing? And I have found myself, like many of you have found yourself, you're mad at the world, you're ticked off, you're, you're mad at the president, you're mad at this, you're mad at that, you're mad at the birds, you're mad at the slow traffic, you're mad at everything, you're, you're, you're mad at your spouse, you're mad at your kids, and I'm telling you, there's more going on than what you can see. God is in the middle of this mess and the stumble, and he's reordering things so that your life and your family and your church and your city and your nation and your world can be a better place. Somebody say better. I was praying the other day. I said, God, I don't want to be bigger. I want to come out of this better. I believe that needs to be the prayer of God's people, those that are watching, those in this building. That's what we need. We need to come out of this. I don't know how much longer this is going to last, but I'm determined. That's the reason why I haven't just rushed back to things because, God, I'm saying, God, if you'll bring the realignment, if you'll bring the reorder, I'll be all so careful never to walk away from it again. God, I've got to have your presence in my home and in my life and in my church. God, I don't want to be just bigger. I want to be better. Come on, does anybody in here want to just be better, to come out of this better? I'm going to say this. I'm going to declare this. God gave this. I'm going to say it. I don't care how dark it is. God can make it better. I speak over you today and everything and everyone connected to you that you're coming out of this season better. Not bitter, not worse, not tired, not fragile, not fragmented, not divided, not emotional. You're coming out of this better. Your job is going to be better. Your, your, your company is going to be better. Your marriage is going to be better. Your relationship with God is going to be better. The economy is going, your economy is going to be better. I declare into your life, I declare into your spirit and into your mind today that God is going to let you come out of this better than what you came into it. I speak that over you today. And we declare this song as we close in your home, in this building, wherever you're at. Would you give the last part of the service? Give God your best. Would you give him that worship that he's asking for? God is not blessing spectators. He's blessing those who will participate all over this city, all over this nation. Lift your hands and let's prophesy into your tomorrows. It is getting better. It's gonna get better. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 